Moving on, we place a high value on the inclusion of many voices at the bridge. Brenda is going to speak today. You will notice that many people get to speak and share a message. Um, and another chance we get to do that is through Q&R that we have at the end. So get ready for that. Um, and also, we have a place called Roundtable. And we're going to do that right now. Now, this is an, not a have to. This is a you get to. So if you're thinking, oh, no, just put your head down. Don't look at anybody. <laughs> Anybody who's got their head down and not looking at anybody, don't try and drag them into a group, okay? It's not a have to, it's a get to. Uh, there's no pressure about this. It's an invitation to participate rather than a compulsion to do so. Nobody will come whip you and drag you into a group. So I'm gonna actually set up a bit of a binary right now, of, uh, but everything's on a sliding scale. So you can answer one or the other, or you could you know, sit in the middle somewhere. So you can explain either really succinctly or drag it out a little bit. Um, but you have only two or three minutes, so don't go too long. If somebody's going too long, just go, enough, thanks very much, we got it. Um, okay, so the question is, do you lean towards being a rule keeper or a boundary pusher? Good question. Do you lean to be towards being a rule keeper or a boundary pusher? So gather up into groups of three or four. Don't go more than that, otherwise you won't be able to speak in time. Um, and if you don't want to do it, head down. Three or four. Answer the question, elaborate if you'd like to, but we're going to keep it really quick. So go. I think I'm also supposed to add a blessing and a prayer for the amazing an inimitable Brenda, who is coming to share with us. So God, we thank you for God in Brenda, for God with Brenda, and God through Brenda for our benefit this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. on it's on hello um, I have a shake in my right arm so maybe I'll use my left hand um, okay so I was thinking I'm a little nervous but not as nervous as when I sing so I'm sure probably all of you if you had to sing in front of people you'd be very nervous too so talking is good I can do that <clears throat> so as I was preparing to to do this, I was spending a fair amount of time reading and just going over things. And one day, Noah, my second-born son, who's here today, thanks for coming, guys. Um, he said, wow, you're spending a lot of time. What are you doing? You're like reading and reading. And, and I was like, yeah, I am kind of spending a lot of time. And it's going to be over. And probably maybe I can talk 15 minutes. I don't know. But um, And then I thought, hey, that's just like cooking. It's like you cook this meal, you spend like... I don't know, six hours, sometimes four hours, sometimes eight hours if you have to do something over a day, and then you sit down at the table, and, um, well, we all know what happens. Like, <laughs> in seven minutes, there's your payoff. It's all gone. Everybody leaves, and it's like, God, come back. <laughs> I worked so hard. So anyway, um, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, 
the food probably wouldn't taste as good if I had have just ordered, well, certainly not ordered pizza, but if I had have had someone else just bring it in, I think part of the enjoyment around the table, even if it is only seven minutes, <laughs> is that you have given yourself. And I think sometimes we just parse things up. We chop them up and we say, this is the desirable part. This is the good part. I just want to get to the end where I can really enjoy it. And I think so much about life is about the whole piece and learning to say, there's just as much love in me cutting this carrot as there is into, you know, picking up this plate and looking into my kids' eyes. And so anyway, there's love in all of the doing. I was given um, three verses. Uh, I saw somewhere there was four, but I only found three. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I've missed one, but we'll just read through them all and see which one I can find something meaningful to say. And the first one was Psalm 78. And I read through that, and I thought, oh, there's angry God. There's a lot of uh, just betrayal and things happening. And then by the end, there's fire, and some young men don't make it. They get consumed, and I'm thinking, okay, this is not, you know. And young women, they don't, they're not very happy. So in the end, I thought, okay, we'll leave Psalm 78. We'll move, leave, that, leave that for the theologians who can make sense of all of that. So I thought, okay, Acts. Acts is better. Acts 1. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's saying, stay here until the gift comes to you, comes upon you. John, he baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, okay, well, I don't think anybody has any questions about that. I don't think anybody ever has been divisive or argumentative or we know everything about that. So I think I'll just move on because there's nothing to be said about that. I don't want to stir anything up. So we'll move on to Romans. I think that's easier. So a lot of people say that's not easier because Paul wasn't a very easy guy. But anyway... So Romans 13, I decided on this verse, and I don't know what the other one was that I missed, but anyway, Romans 13, 8 to 10, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, and whatever else you can think of. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know what it really says. But anyway, they can all be summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself because love does no harm to its neighbor. Love fulfills the law. And I thought, love fulfills the law. Usually when you say something like that, God is love, then wherever you see love, God is. But in this case, it's like love fulfills the law. So law makes you a loving person. I'm like... Somehow that doesn't really work. I don't know. That doesn't sit right with me. Anyway, the beginning, of <clears throat> the beginning of the verse kind of set me off a little bit because it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And I thought, what the heck does love and debt? Why are they in the same sentence? Like, oh, obligation, debt, and love. They just don't seem to jive. I wasn't really liking Paul's language. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe it's the word debt. Maybe the word debt, if you dig deep enough, means something totally different. And that will change the whole thing for me. And I'll just go, yeah, 
I have no issues with that. Because in um, 2 Timothy, Timothy says, he says, there's this verse where he says, if you die with him, you will live with him. If you live with him, you will endure with him. You will reign with him. But if you deny him, he'll deny you. I'm like, God is a preschooler. All of a sudden, he's like, deny, what, what? Like, if you do this, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem right either. So I looked up the word deny, and it actually means to contradict. It doesn't mean to deny. It means if God says, I am love, or you say, God, you're not loving. He says, let me show you the ways. He contradicts. It's a contradiction in terms. And so it all of a sudden makes sense. It's a, it's a sensical um, statement that testifies to the goodness of God instead of the, you know, sort of preschoolerishness. <laughs> anyway, so I looked up debt, and I found that debt means debt. <laughs> it was not a big revelation. I thought, oh, that doesn't really help it for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to dive into the verse a little bit deeper. And I thought, well, what does Jesus say about the commandments? What does, what does he say about um, love and the commandments and neighbors? And in Matthew, I started reading through the Gospels, and I thought, okay, well, in Matthew, Jesus quotes the Torah, and he says, in 521, if you want to look it up, but I, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he says, um, he's teaching to the crowds and he says, you've heard it said, God says, uh, you've heard it said, um, don't commit adultery. But I say, even looking is a problem. Don't kill, but I say, but I say, Anger is a problem, you know, and so he's like, I found this very interesting. I was like, he's referencing the commandments, but he's, he's almost treating them in such a casual way. It's like, why didn't he give the, the book and the reference and the, I'm sure he would have had all that stuff in his head, like knowing everything he would have known and studying everything he would have known. These are commands, you know, and he didn't say, God says, he says, you know, but I say, so it's a very interesting turn. And then he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, right? And it, it just appeared, it seemed to me that Jesus was always, always, always looking behind. He was always looking underneath. He was always looking at, not looking at the behaviors necessarily, but looking behind, looking underneath to find the heart of the matter, and I found uh, that in Luke, he goes on, there's a section there in Luke 6 where he talks about um, loving, uh, yeah, if you love those who love you, what is that? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who can repay, what is that? You know, if you're good to those who are good to you, what what? what is that? You need a badge on your, you know, saying, I'm a good person. I've did these, I've done these things. And when I thought about that, I thought, well, it does seem reasonable because isn't this how we, in, in society, this is how we, um, this is how we operate. If you are, I thought of this one analogy of, you know, we all, we live in a neighborhood where lots of lawns are side by side and our houses are side by side. And if one day you were 
um, your neighbor, his lawnmower breaks down, and you say, oh, yeah, I'll lend you my lawnmower. And he uses your lawnmower, and that's fine. And a few days later, your clippers break. You're clipping your bushes, and, man, i got to get this done. I'm going to ask my neighbor. And you don't think of the lawnmower right away, but you just go, oh, he'll, oh, he'll, he's a good neighbor. He'll let me use the clippers. So you go, and he says, no way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not letting you use my clippers. And you're like, oh, you know, what, what, what the heck? And then slowly you're like, wait a minute. He used my lawnmower. Like, that's, that's, what kind of a neighbor is that? Like, this is clippers. What's the big deal? But we, we have been trained to think tit for tat. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And scratching is not the problem. Doing good things for each other is not the problem. But basing are just, it's, it works counterintuitive to this whole love your enemy. It really does. And, and, um, there's got to be a way around this. It seems like normal behavior. But then at the end of the verse, Jesus says all of this. If you, if you do good to those who do good, what is, what is that to you? If you lend to those um, who can repay you, what is that to you? And then Jesus says, after he says, love your enemies, he says, God is kind to the ungrateful. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> That's a, you know, that's not, when, when I do something, that is not a natural response. Uh, you know, you have ungratitude in your house and you've been working very hard. The natural thing is to be very curt and, you know, let's get this behavior under, under, uh, under control. And then he says, he says, um, he is kind not only to the ungrateful, but to the wicked. And then you're like, wait. <laughs> now that's, you know, ungrateful is one thing, but wicked, I can, you know, some pretty dark images come. And I'm thinking, you know, this must be like a muscle that we, we have that maybe we don't know we have. We've been out of touch with this giving back what doesn't come to us. Where is that muscle? I was thinking, how do we find this, this ability to be kind to people who are ungrateful and wicked, selfish, whatever. And then I thought, oh, I know when we find our muscles. When we find our muscles is when we are standing in the shoes of an ungrateful person, and there are our shoes, and there are our feet. And all of a sudden, the verse kind of makes sense. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, like, I, I have been so ungrateful and you almost feel like you don't even want to ask for kindness. It's like, we want to hide. We want to um, be punished, I guess. We, we, it, it's counterintuitive even to receive the kindness in that situation. But I think that's where our muscles grow when we can recognize that and say, you know what? I need kindness. I've been horrible, and I need kindness. And we find our muscles. The grace is there. And when we can be in that place and understand that place and allow ourselves to receive kindness when we've been horrible, we just, uh, we grow those muscles. And the other question I had about this is, is I wonder, because it says somewhere, I didn't look it up, but it says Jesus learned obedience. And as I was pondering this, I, I thought, I wonder if Jesus was ever ungrateful. Like, I wonder if he had to learn this. I wonder... I'm sure he's ever wicked, but, <laughs> but ungrateful, like, 
maybe, maybe he, you know, as a kid, he, you know, and he has that in common with us, and he had to grow those muscles too. And um, so I guess the verse was starting to make a little more sense to me. I thought, well, maybe Paul and Jesus are saying the same thing. Um, Then I thought of another illustration about love and the commands and how they, um, how love covers a multitude of sins and how that fits together. I thought of, you know, when I got married to my wonderful husband over there, we spent a lot of time planning. We had, uh, looking into our ceremony, we're like, well, there's a lot of, um, vows here. I'm, not super comfortable with promising all these things in front of all these people because it seems a bit like I might not fulfill this is a big ask, (laughs) even though I'm really deeply in love. (laughs) And so we wrote our own vows, which were, I thought, very beautiful, and we um, enjoyed doing that. But I, I think that if someone had have said during the ceremony at the time where you get that, I mean, we didn't do this in ours, but lots of people do. If anybody has any reason to, you know, stop this ceremony, then stand up now. If someone had stood up and said, you know, here it is. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal from your husband. Thou shalt. I would have been like, what the heck? Like, I love him. You don't need to say any of that stuff. Like, I don't even want that in this room. Like, get it away from me, although all those things are good. But to me, they would have been just offensive because I knew in my heart my life was his and his life was mine. And I think sometimes where we go wrong is when we start slinging those things at each other, those promises that we are meant to keep and we promise to keep them. (laughs) You said this and... You know, when we throw them at each other and we, you know, we forget um, and we lose ourselves, we lose our heart, we lose our, we just lose our true self somewhere along the way and we are like, oh man. And sometimes a command or a rule can wake us up. But I think really when we have found ourselves The commands and the rules, they all have a place. But love is so far beyond, so above, so that it's almost like you want to push them back there, (laughs) back into Exodus where they came from. And you deal with them. You obviously are all starving and hungry and you need to work things out. (laughs) Not that we don't have any problems. But, you know, in many ways, we feel that way. And I think, I think it's important to remember, you know, I'm just going to read the verse one more time because um, I think it is a good piece. Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. The commands, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, don't, 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 don't. And whatever else you can think of, they're all summed up. They're all all bound in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Love fulfills 
the law. So, I'm just going to pray. I'm not long-winded, so (laughs) thank you, God, that you love us and that you, um, within that, we can rest. And we don't have to worry about getting everything right all the time. You see our hearts and you see what is behind everything we do. And you look at us with compassion and kindness, always without fault. So I pray that you would give us the courage and help us build those muscles too, to be able to live the same way in life as we inhabit our spaces in work and in our families, that we would be able to mirror that. And um, we thank you that you are good and kind. And we thank you for your, just everything you are to us. Amen. Oh, I have one more thing that I forgot I was going to say. As I was preparing this, I had my big Bible out, and my seven-year-old son came into the room and said, Mom, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) So I just want you all, if anybody's feeling guilty, for not opening your big Bible, be released. (laughs) 